0: Hey, Catholic Divas, I think you're going to really love this episode of our podcast today. I get to interview the beautiful Hannah Dustman. So come on in the podcast and let's listen to her about how to stop contracepting your dating life. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Well hello Catholic Divas and welcome to September. I hope you have had a wonderful August. I hope you really enjoyed the series of breastfeeding and today we're going to kind of transition as we go into the fall. Maybe some of you are living in an area where the weather is beginning to cool. I know in the Southwest, even though it's still hot, it's not 100 or above 100, it's now in the 90s, so I give glory to God. Well, today I have a wonderful guest. I'm so, so excited to introduce her to you because as soon as I heard about her program, I immediately reached out to her. We have today beautiful Hannah. She is a certified Catholic coach. She's trained in strengths and temperaments as a coach, and she is one of the drill instructors for the trainer, coaches, and training um, and workshop facilitator at Metanoia Catholic. She also serves as the director of client engagement for Metanoia Catholic. So she may be one of the first people you actually meet when you go to Metanoia Catholic. She focuses on accompanying members of the Metanoia Catholic Academy. And the coaching training programs and building a thriving human formation community among our members she came to metanoia catholic with a college background she has a college degree but her emphasis was college campus ministry as a focus missionary so if you know anything about focus that means fellowship of catholic university students and she finds great joy and purpose in helping others discern and understand the origin of their dreams and how the Lord might be speaking to them through their unique motivations and desires. She specializes in helping single Catholic women who feel aimless and discouraged to find purpose and joy while they're waiting to discover their true identity in Christ. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm really excited. She has this brand new eight-week coaching course that she's going to be beginning Mm -hmm. September 13th, and we're going to put the link in the show notes for you. Welcome, Hannah. I really appreciate your time today. So I gave you the official introduction to Hannah, but let me tell you how I met Hannah. (laughs) One of the things that I have discovered is many of us come to Metanoia Catholic coming from a very wounded place, and God is so good and gracious, and he opens this door and introduces us to Metanoia Catholic. So Hannah was one of the first people that I reached out to, I found Metanoia Catholic actually through another friend who recommended another podcast. And when I looked up that podcast, I found Metanoia Catholic podcast, and I immediately went to their website, ordered the journal, and emailed Hannah. Yes, I'm so happy. And she emailed me back. Oh my gosh, this is so great. But one of my personal metanoia moments. And again, ladies and gentlemen, just for those that don't know, metanoia means the change. And our Lord is always calling us to repent and convert. So that's really what metanoia is. And that's what the desire of metanoia Catholic is, is to, through our understanding of our thoughts and our emotions, and then our actions, that we can change and become truly the men and women that God is calling us to be. So when you become a member of Metanoia Catholic, you have the opportunity to get coaching once a month, a 20-minute coaching. And I signed up for my first coaching, and I was in a really, really bad space. I was just stuck. There was just a lot of obstacles. And I coached with Hannah. And Hannah, you may not remember this because you coach so many people, but I'm telling you this this has changed my life, is that the best advice you gave me after we coached about my thoughts of what was going on is that you told me use the exercise one in the journal and annotate all of the successes of the day before because I was stuck and I couldn't see any progress and she gave me that challenge of not just my profession my building this business starting this this was before I started the podcast I had a lot of drama I couldn't do a lot of things. If you know me in person, one of the things that I'm beginning to change, but a mantra I used to have is I do theology and not technology. And so I'm beginning to change that thought process of I do theology and technology. But what I found was that exercise one in our journal is so profound because it really does give you that concrete evidence and support of recognizing that Even though I just made one little step, I am moving forward. And so will you share, why do you love coaching so much?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Coaching has literally changed my life. It's not even like there was like this big moment where it just boom, lightning and thunder and, you know, like it wasn't even like that sort of moment, but as you shared previously, I I was a focus missionary for three years after college, and that was after being involved in the human center, received top-notch formation as a focus missionary. We dive into the the apostolic formation and the, the spiritual formation and the intellectual formation, and we like skimmed the surface of the human formation, but like we didn't really dive into it, but it was all this stuff that was coming together. And as soon as I met, met the Catholic and started getting involved as a coach and getting coached myself, it was like the light, the spark that just like set the whole everything else like ablaze. So all this other formation that I had received now is that much richer, was that much more profound and impactful. Like it made that much more sense to me. It was easier to digest maybe these big theology kind of meaty subjects because I was seeing it through a different lens. And I think that's the thing about coaching is it makes things practical. And it makes them personal. And so instead of just saying, this is the Catholic church, and this is everything the church teaches, there you go. It becomes more of, this is my place in the church. This is what I'm doing about it. This is how I'm interacting with it. And it's a lot more tangible. And for me, that is the biggest thing about coaching is just, it becomes tangible. We take these big, scary emotions, or these big, scary beliefs, or these dreams and goals that stretch us beyond what we're comfortable with. And we just focus on like that one degree shift that I then opens that. up the door.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm, and that's yeah. really what you gave me way back almost 18 months now since I've been with Metanoia Catholic. And and that's what you gave me is that that one degree shift. Mm-hmm. And now I look back at that and think, oh my goodness, how far have I come?
1: Yeah, because those one degrees compound so quickly they compound so quickly. And it really, it just is, it just like giving yourself permission to think something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun because depending on obviously the circumstances and in your unique design and who you are, you can almost just see in someone's eyes when you're coaching them, like the moment that that knot becomes a little less sticky. And it's just like their mind just races off and they can see that that door is opening to consider there might be another way. And that's just like this place of curiosity and discovery, really where you try to like lead and invite your clients.
0: Yeah. So I have been in personal development for over 30 years. And I shared with you when I first found you all that there was always something missing. And I've used a number of life coaches in my past. I've been a stay-at-home mom. I've always had a side hustle. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. And I understand the importance of personal development, but share with me a little bit the difference between Metanoia Catholic and any other life coaching program that we have out there.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And one that we receive a lot because, I mean, Catholic is in our name, right? right? And so it's like from the beginning, people kind of know that something is a little different, but there really are these stages that John Paul II really talks a lot about in his own personalism. And so it is self-awareness, which is just knowing who you are. That's where a lot of like the secular personal development sits. It's just kind of becoming really, really self-aware. Why do I do this? What are my motivations? But then it just kind of stays there. Self-awareness for self-awareness sake, a lot of times it becomes very self-referencing. There's really no distinction between different goods, right? Everything is kind of equal. And we know that's not true. That's not like the hierarchy in which we live in divine truth. And we kind of become like our own gods or our goal that we are seeking kind of becomes this this access that everything else is revolving around. But going back to John Paul II, he really emphasizes that there's self-awareness, which leads to self-possession. So it's really taking that ownership, saying this is my work to do. I'm owning the good, the bad, the ugly. I am going to have grace with myself and I ask that you have grace with me, but I'm not using who I am as an excuse anymore, right? I'm still responsible for my actions, for growing in virtue. That's where a lot of the coaching takes place is just kind of taking that raw material and saying, all right, come Holy Spirit, here we are. And then the outcome is that self-gift. And so that is our call as, as Christians, I mean, as baptized Christians, as coaches, as anybody that is serving others, whether that's in your family, whether that's in an occupation, your vocation, however, we are all called to be that self-gift. And a lot of times, I think we want to jump into that self-gift before we have that aware- that self-awareness, that self-possession. And that's whenever we see the opposite end of the spectrum of it's not so much a secular personal development world as it is. It's like almost over-spiritualization or even people just experiencing burnout in ministry because they're trying to give, and that's good they don't know How, really? And so Metanoagic Catholic becomes this middle ground of of taking, there's so many great personal development teachers and philosophies and and structure that exists, but it's like baptizing it and putting everything where God is at the center. God is the one that is ultimately this moral weight that we look to, objective truth versus subjective truth. And so that is even just so proud. It's something that we, we teach all of our coaches training is just like the way that we, we extend to divine truth, to moral truth, um, natural law, even. Because if everything is subjective, how do you really interrogate truthfulness of something? Because then it just becomes your truth versus my truth. and we just kind of spin in circles.
0: Yeah, I had an experience this past week, a friend of mine, she and I were just talking about something, we had the same goal. And she's like, Oh, let me pull this up. And so we were using this format, which I had used for years as a coach, as a mentor, you know, what is your goal? What are the three things that you're going to do? And it just didn't sit with me at all. There was a lot of resistance. And The first thing that I was aware of, my first thought was, this was written by a choleric. And for me, that was very freeing. So just a little background, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that's so beautiful about Metanoia Catholic is part of understanding who you are, this unique, individual, unrepeatable, designed by God, created by God, willed by God. Part of it is, is how God created you with what we call temperaments. And this is very classical. I like to use the analogy that it's like an artist. So sometimes they need clay, sometimes they need marble, sometimes they need slate or sand or whatever. And each and every one of us has a different measurement of that. So for instance, real quickly, I'm doing a a program called Uniquely Beautifully You And last week, we all identified every one of us was sanguine choleric, but each and every one of us had a different percentage of that. So we all came in our own unique thing. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you that Hannah is a temperaments coach. So she's fantastic on that. And I've gone through this temperament understanding and workshop, and now I'm actually teaching it. And that was one of the things that was missing is that When my friend shared that document with me, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. I used to use that. And it rubbed me the wrong way. And the other thing I noticed was that it was all what we call in the A-line, the action line. There was no room in that worksheet to understand the thoughts that were coming up and then the emotions that were coming up. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is just the brainchild of the the journal. I mean, I could just sit and talk about the Metanoia Catholic Journal forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. um because it seems so simple and yet is so, so profound. And yes. I'm just going to share one more thing about that is that I had an aha moment during that workshop that I conduct my uniquely beautifully you workshop. and I was coaching a woman on her goal which is exercise three in our journal and then we were going through this particular thought i first talked to her about when we present our goal to god we are not just writing this goal which is what the secular world like write this goal and put it all over your room and think about it but what we teach is we're taking this goal and we're making it into a prayer and saying lord this is what i desire and what we teach is that it's almost like taking the the bread and the wine and bringing it to the gifts of the altar. When I heard that at Montenoice Catholic, I'm a daily communicant and so I have been doing that when the the deacon presents the bread and the wine like I mentally say, "Okay, Lord, here's my goal for the day. I'm offering it to you." But then what happened was during this coaching, I was mentioning to her, "Well, It maybe you need to take it to prayer in order to help you think this new thought and ask the Lord how He interprets it. And I go, Oh my goodness, that's exercise seven. (laughs) And I could see the connection between exercise three and exercise seven. I'm like, This is only the Holy Spirit. This is just so beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, even if you just get the journal. I'm going to tell you, if it's not changing your life, if you're not doing the work, and that's what Hannah talks about, is we have to do our own work. Yes, we can become aware of our temperaments, our faults, our virtues, our vices, what we desire, but then we have to take possession of it, and we have to take ownership, and that's really what our Lord is asking us. And the thing I also love about the whole Catholic mindset coaching is we take the will and strengthen the will. Because one of the things I'm observing is how many times people speak and they abdicate their will.
1: Mm -hmm. I I can speak my own testimony to that. I mean, I think that's also coaches want to be coaches. They want to help other people because they were in the client's chair. They were in that place of maybe feeling this hopelessness or this powerlessness or this fear or whatever is that like that emotion that was just crippling and confusion. That was kind of my story. I was just like, okay, Lord, I'm just confused. I don't know what you want of me. I don't know how to discern your voice. I'm trying. I'm doing all the right things. I'm in the state of grace and I'm going to mass and look at me. I'm striving to do this work and that work, make these relationships and go to this. And and I was just like, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm confused. I don't think I'm any closer to my goal. Yeah, sure. There's like some good fruit along the way, but interiorly it was like, where are you? I'm showing up. You're not showing up. And so it just kind of became slowly over time this like breakdown of trust and this breakdown of, do I even know what God's voice sounds like? This is after years of having a daily prayer life. This isn't like I was just kind of trying to figure it out for the first time. And it was just like, all of a sudden I realized one day, like something has to change. Something needs to change. And I think that's when like the journal becomes like this tool that is so powerful because We've talked about each exercise individually. Like you could just focus on one. That's something that I coach people in the journal all the time. Probably one of the, the topics I talk about the most in Metanoia Catholic is because lots of people have questions about the journal. Which is kind of rightly so. It's kind of the first thing that you, we share with you. And so I love that you even brought about like exercise one, like the very first exercise, naming the like successes for the day. That in of itself could be that Metanoia, like it was for you, or it is just one thing that I really love is like exercise too, is like daily gratitudes. And for me, I kind of came out of that hole by learning how to flex this gratitude muscle in a new way. And not just, I'm grateful for my family, I'm grateful for my job, I'm grateful for these people, but actually experiencing that gratitude in my body. Like, what does that gratitude feel like more than that confusion or more than that fear? You can't feel both, right? It's impossible. I cannot feel both grateful and afraid at the same time. Mm-hmm. I cannot feel both grateful and helpless at the same time. And so you're lessening the stronghold, some of those powerless emotions that weren't producing good fruit. I was loosening the the hold that they had on me and replacing it with curiosity or gratitude or wonderment, and it opened up new doors. And so Mm -hmm. I, I think the journal's fantastic. It's such a good resource. And it is something where it's like, you don't even have to do the whole thing. Just do one exercise or something that is going to make it more tangible for you.
0: Yeah, I really love how you brought up the exercise too, which is the gratitude aspect, because as confirmed Catholics, we've been given the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of those gifts is we call it the fear of the Lord, but it's really not fear like I'm afraid. It's this awesomeness of God of how wondrous he is and how wondrous his works are. And like you said, you can't have this fear and this powerlessness at the same time with this sense of gratitude and wonderment, curiosity, right? And that's what it does is it opens up to the things that God has already done for our lives. And then as you go into exercise three, which is, okay, now I'm a little bit open to the goodness of God, because sometimes people, Don't believe that God is good. We were doing that in our Lexio Divina today, talking about generosity. And it's from James 1, 2 through 8. And James talks about, ask God who gives all generously and ungrudgingly. And we were discussing about, do we really believe that God is going to give generously and ungrudgingly? So that's where that gratitude is. Mm -hmm. Then you can move into exercise three, which is stating our goal or our desire or our adventure. That's one of the words that I've been using as a sanguine and presenting it to the Lord, then co-creating with our Lord and really partnering with our Lord. So I didn't realize that you're a Focus alum. I love Focus. I always tease you all that I could be all of y'all's mother. (laughs) But when I went to school, there was Campus Crusade for Christ, which I know it's very similar. And my conversion story, thanks be to God, and I was very involved in there and got very involved in the Bible study. And it just woke up my relationship with the Lord. And my dad was like, as long as I'm paying the bills, you're going to go to Catholic Church. So I did. But the Newman Center was very lacking. And so I'm so grateful when I see focus we just got four focus missionaries at, at New Mexico State University, which we live right on the border of New Mexico and Texas. And I'm just so thankful. So, how did you decide that, and how did you transition in and out?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So I went to college. I went to the University of Missouri to study journalism. And it's like the school my mom went. My sister went, grew up going to football games there. And I was excited. I had kind of a falling out. Pretty much most of the friends I had in high school, I was ready to start fresh. And I would say that there was just a lot, a lot of grace working in my life at the time. I was, I was practicing. I went to mass. I didn't argue. I I wanted to know the Lord, but I, I didn't really, but I just knew that if I wanted to make friends, the Newman Center would be like my best bet. And so I went to the Newman Center right away, got involved, went to Bible study, went on retreats, did all the things. And Focus came to Mizzou my freshman year. And so I never knew Mizzou without Focus, but I got to see the growth in that development. And so throughout my time in college, becoming more involved, even as a leader in the Newman Center, I got to know the missionaries. And they were just these four lively, fun, beautiful people. I mean, they dressed well, and they had fun, and they were always laughing, and they just had this joy about them. And they would have prayed every day, and they went to mass every day, and they would play football on the quad. But then they would like sit down and pray a rosary, like right there in public. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, these people—they're kind of living best of both worlds." I want I to be their friend, and so I just got to spend more time with them. Was asked into discipleship by one of the missionaries who praise the Lord is still probably one of my best friends to this day. I got to be at her wedding this summer, and as it became clear to me that. I was leaving college. That was kind of inevitable. It was coming soon. I I knew that I wouldn't be satisfied doing anything else. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. I did not want to fundraise my salary. I did not want to give somebody else total control of where I was going to live for the next two years of my life. I love my family. I love Kansas City. I didn't want to leave. And I didn't want to go on a dating fast where you I specifically am told I cannot date the first year. And I was like what do you mean? I'm 22. Like what else am I supposed to do with my life? But it was really beautiful because I really felt like the Lord saying to me, like, you don't have to, you don't have to, you really don't. But almost as soon as I recognized that he was giving that permission and that free will back to me, it was like, no, but I, I knew that in my heart of hearts, like I did desire that level of friendship, that level of authenticity to be formed in that way interiorly and in my prayer life. So I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, was there for three years. Beautiful, beautiful Newman Center, the most amazing priests I have ever had the privilege of, of being served by, really good spiritual fathers. My team was fantastic all three years. We had a lot of fun. And looking back, I trust and I know and I believe that I had an impact. I still have students that I'm very close with or people that will just like message you on my birthday or just kind of randomly like thinking of you. And, you know, I'm really grateful for this one Bible study or that you brought me back to confession at this one retreat or lots of glory stories, like all glory to God. Looking back now being two years removed from being a focused missionary on campus. The thing that I remember the most is like that changed me. I went to mass six days a week. I prayed a holy hour every day in the chapel. I had conversations about things that were tough and about things that were good. And I had spiritual direction and I had access to the sacraments. And we had our own formation plan that we went through. And so looking back, praise the Lord, those relationships and for the impact that I was able to have at the University of Illinois. But I know that my life was changed and it became clear to me. So you're asked to do an initial two-year commitment. And so I recommitted for a third year. I just had this sense in me that was like, Jesus did three years on mission. If I'm going to be like him three years. And I'm really grateful that I recommitted literally a month before COVID. And so I just was so grateful that I didn't have to discern throughout the midst of, of all of that madness. But my third year, I was thinking I was going to stand with focus, but in a different capacity, not on campus as a missionary, but maybe as some sort of remote position because I wanted to come home. I wanted to be back in Kansas City. hmm And that was kind of the plan. I've had some conversations, I've had some interviews, i even had a couple offers from different departments within Focus, and Easter 2021 came. And it was like Jesus just flipped me upside down on my head. It was, it really challenged me in my perception of why I felt like I needed to stay. Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of fear of, I can't do this on my own. Um, This is the only way to be a saint. Some of those really, really pretty thoughts. Really, really, really thoughts, but uh, it was all kind of for the wrong reason. And he really challenged me to be a saint my own way. Mm. And that's whenever I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a job. I don't know where I'm going to live. I am still single. I guess I'm just going to move home with my parents and figure it out. And it was actually really beautiful because that's really whenever I encountered an annoying Catholic and it kind of came full circle for me there. But focus was a tremendous gift. The people are amazing. And I'm forever grateful because that was really where I had my initial reversion in college. But I mean, how could you not have continual conversion when like that is your daily experience?
0: Right? Yes. I was blessed to go to the SLS conference in 2019 in Phoenix. And I was working with a pregnancy center they had a Booth and they didn't realize how many Students were there and the parent organization, they called out like, hey, who can come? And I was like, me, I'll go, I'll go. And it was just so beautiful. I still remember that. I haven't been able to go since, but my desire is to, I want to hang out with those young people. They're all on fire and 10,000 young people, it just really reminds you like the church is alive And Mm -hmm. the young people thirst for Jesus. And it was just so beautiful to see them all at adoration. And afterwards, in between the talks, they would be goofy and college students and everything like that. But it was an interesting perspective. And I want to share that because I want to lead it into your program is in 2019, Unplanned was released. And so the pregnancy center that I was working with sponsored that during one of the evenings. And I remember Leah Jacobson, who is in charge of Guiding Star Project, I was working under her. And she came back after one of the viewings and she said to us, this was totally Holy Spirit. At the end, I don't know why I even asked this because this was like the third time we had viewed it or something. She said, I asked if any of the girls were on contraception. And she said, there were so many girls that came to me. And then we just kept referring them to the local pregnancy center that we knew in Phoenix. And they even called us and they're like, what are you guys doing? All these women. And part of the problem, and this is what Leah's observation was, is that SLS was student leadership summit. So it's not an average Catholic who doesn't know Jesus. These kids are like you said, they've got a prayer life. They're in Bible studies. They're probably leading Bible studies. Many of them are focused missionaries themselves. And there were so many young, faithful women who were on contraception because of medical reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the passions that I have, which is why I'm kind of building this up because we haven't said your name. But it's one of those things when I talk to Lisa Canning, my business coach, and she's like, What are you passionate about? I'm, if I can get one girl off contraception and teach her the beauty of her cycle and how she can determine when she's fertile and infertile, give her the power back, then I I know I've done my job. So share with us your title of your program and how you came about with that, because I just think it's so fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. September 13th, I will be launching an eight-week group coaching course that is called Stop Contracepting Your Dating Life and all honesty like the title everything everything about it came to me while I was at the gym I was literally running on the treadmill and all of this just popped in my head this is how I know it's not me like I'm huffing and puffing I'm like this is the holy spirit but I yeah just have like been thinking a lot about and I'm, I'm still single and I desire marriage but I know that there are parts of me that are broken that are wounded and out of that defensiveness out of that self-protection I've, i have walls lots and lots of walls and even just like a, a semi-recent kind of breakup experience kind of revealed some of those to me in a new light and i can see it in my friends i can see it in that i encounter and a lot of times i think we kind of we kind of like we said advocate you know we kind of advocate our singleness to other things other people right it's his fault there are new Catholic guys out there all these things that are happening in the world where I live all these things we're just putting all the responsibility all the blame all the control on anyone besides ourselves and that's not to say that there isn't elements of truth in those but again how do you feel I felt powerless I felt kind of stupid I felt shameful I felt like I needed to hide and I know that those fruits, those emotions are not purified. They're not of the Lord. And so as I was kind of thinking about how do I want to serve these women that are like myself to like accompany these sisters, this idea really was born and has been really fun to co-create with the Lord, because I think that contraceptive mentality is so prevalent. And most of the time you think of contraception, it's kind of like, well, it's it's a medical device or a pill or something that I use to prevent pregnancy. But like if we're going to even be maybe a little bit more scientific about it, it's like it prevents new life or it prevents any sort of seed being implanted, right? And so it's that same idea.
0: Yeah, this is why I was like, I have to have her on my podcast because what I know about contraception is that the intention of it is to stop creation, right? Contraception. But what it does is it takes a healthy system of our body and it suppresses it and it distorts it. Mm -hmm. And if we are any Catholic and understand that there is good and evil and the evil one, the only thing that he can do is twist and distort and lie about things. And even the medical, this focus incident where these were single women Holy, I mean, these are practicing Catholics that desire, like yourself, I desire a marriage, I desire to do God's holy will. And yet, because the medical community told them they have X, Y, and Z, they must be on this pill or this device to overcome this medical abnormality, pathology, whatever. Instead of saying, hey, let's check your body and let's see how we can heal your own body. And part of my mission is I also teach natural family planning to engage couples. And this is why I became a mindset coach, because I understand a lot of it is in our mindset, right? Oh, the Catholic church can't tell me what to do in my bed. Well, we're not saying that. And I've discussed this on the podcast before about what does contraception say to us internally, subconsciously. It's saying I'm going to give all of you except for this part. So really it cannot be a total free relationship and to be a true marriage. The Catholic church identifies a true marriage as total free, fruitful, and faithful. And this is why I got so excited because how can we practice these aspects in a marriage when we aren't practicing them in our daily life as sisters As boyfriend and girlfriend, as daughters and sons of our parents, or employees to employer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, tell me your perspective on this. Stop contracepting.
1: I think there are habits, actions, beliefs, thoughts, right? All these are patterns and habits that we have adopted or consented to. Neurological pathways that might have existed from like a a wound from we were five years old, right? Or Mm -hmm. or from a breakup, or from something. That happened in that relationship that was like kind of this rupture and so that really kind of disguises itself and, and satan kind of has a heyday with fear distrust jealousy right it's like are you afraid of your desire for marriage i don't even want to really even desire this man because I'm i'm so afraid that he's not going to be there or that the lord won't introduce me to him or he doesn't exist do i believe that god has forgotten about me mm-hmm. and it's like maybe something where it's like i might be in the pew every Sunday. And like I said, I pray the rosary daily or have a faith life. But like, is there a part of my mind that doesn't believe that God is actually listening or that He cares that I like have this ache and this pain? Are you afraid to like meet new people? Right? Is there like some sort of self consciousness or social roadblock for you where it's like you're not even going out into the community and interacting with men or women? And so it's like, well, how are you going to meet a potential spouse? if you just sit at home all day or wait for him to just show up on your doorstep, you know, and like, I say all these things because I've been there. like, these are thoughts and fears that I have had. What if you are not able to communicate your standards in a way that like is inspiring and convicting. You have all these expectations and this laundry list of, well, he needs to be this and he needs to be that and he needs to do this. And he needs to do that. But it's more of like, you have this expectation of who's saying coaching, like this manual, right. For how he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And it's still that abdication for him to become this like hero, and that doesn't mean you can't have standards, right. or you can't respect yourself, or you can't even have preferences. Right? But how are you thinking about those? How are you communicating those sort of ownership? Are you living that way? If right. you desire a man who is respectful and honest and trustworthy and very intentional about the way that he does certain things, are you intentional about the way that you do those same things? Right? And it could be really really big like this is a deal breaker or it could be really small things like it's really attractive to me to like meet a man that works out okay that's awesome do you work out where do you think you're going to meet a man that works out if you never go to a gym yeah and so it's like even some of these more maybe they feel kind of menial i just use like air quotes Mm -hmm. but they matter and so i think there's a lot of drama in our minds about oh this matters and that doesn't but like, what if there was a way that you could become more confident about the way that you look, and not, right. in vain, not being vain, not falling into vanity, but when you feel confident, you show up confident, or if you wear a dress that makes you feel really pretty, or you take some time to do your hair or makeup, or these things that I think as Catholic women sometimes we want to we want to detach ourselves from this worldview, like there's kind of like a secular worldview, this idea of dating that we're trying to avoid that so much so. The pendulum swings completely in the the opposite direction. And that's like harmful too. And that's not virtue either. And so how do we have this like virtuous me of, it's okay to do your hair. It's okay to do your makeup and to buy a new dress and to do different things that are going to increase your confidence level. And that's a good thing. That doesn't mean that you are sinful or greedy or these things are menial things. Mm -hmm. All this kind of just to sum up like, what if we just stop beating ourselves up for who we're not. I'm not as holy. I'm not as pretty. I'm not as smart. I'm not as funny as, I'm not as fill in the blank, right, as her or this ideal in my head. We just stopped beating ourselves up about that. We stopped contracepting how we think our dating life should be, how we think that we should show up in our dating life. We removed that barrier mm. and we just had more fun and we embraced who the Lord made us to be and we figured what are those thoughts that are going to lead to these emotions like courage or bravery or gratitude or excitement or these motivations that are going to these emotions and motivations that are going to like actually propel us forward because obviously what I was doing before wasn't working. Right. I was going on the dates. I was going to the young adult events, but like no fruit was really being born and I was ending up more resentful. These are some contraceptive attitudes and thoughts and even actions. That I have been participating in that I was recognizing are preventing me from being open to this seed, being open to this potential of new life. And there is still that co creativeness of expressing my desires and participating in God's plan for my life.
0: Ah, oh, so beautiful. I wish I was 22 again. <laughs> but that's okay. I know that there's lots of young people listening. And so we're going to put this in the show notes because I'm really praying that this is going to be a success and a floodgate is going to open because I can hear it and I can hear the wounds. I, I talk to a lot of young people. One of the reasons why a lot of people call me Mama Jane is a friend of mine. I joke, like I'm the wise old woman of the village because yeah, people just come to you, talk to you and then get what they need. And I do, I have a lot of godchildren, young women, that will call me up and we'll go for a walk or we'll go for coffee. And one of my goddaughters is is soon to get married. And we were talking about the marital embrace and those kinds of things. I'm always sharing the benefit of natural family planning, as opposed to contraception, is that the fruitfulness is the growth and the many facets of a relationship. Because When a couple chooses, it's that free will, right? We get to look at each one, you know, married couple is choosing to practice natural family planning and they say, at this moment, the wisest choice is not to have a baby for us. Then how are we going to behave when we're in our fertile phase, when a baby could be conceived? So now how are we going to have a relationship? Do you go to your side of the house and I go to my side of the house and we'll talk after the fertile phase, which many times I discover that that is how people, because they don't know how to behave and it's a natural, our hormones are up. Our desire is to create. And so that's one of those things that I'm always encouraging women and men to do. This is the creative aspect of your cycle So how are you going to create at the moment? I love to teach young women about natural family planning. Even they're like, oh, I'm not married yet. I'm like, no, no, no. But you need to understand your cycle so that you can harness it and become the best version of yourself and to recognize what is the gift of your menstruation? What is the gift of your fertile face? What is the gift of your luteal face? What is the gift of your basic infertile pattern face? And how can you use that, especially as an entrepreneur, I've done a lot of talks about entrepreneurs creating their own time, their own workload, according to what phase of the cycle they're in. Because during during your fertile phase, man, you can get so much done because you're energized. During menstruation, then we need to rest and reflect and get into the journal and cry if we need to and reflect on the past month and do all those things, you know, Okay, so not only do Hannah and I talk about temperaments, but we also talk about strengths, which is Gallup strengths. It's another assessment of understanding who you are in your unique design, how God created you. And my number 10 strength is connectedness. And in our coaching environment among coaches, I remind coaches, connectedness is not just people, but connectedness can see the whole pieces, how it all fits together. And so I can see with my connectedness for you, I can see how this course is going to benefit teaching these women, how do I have a relationship with my own self first? Because that's also very important. I wasn't taught any of this. If you listen to the past episodes of the podcast, you can hear how God's grace has covered me and made me a new woman. But I just wasn't trained. I wasn't given the opportunity to know the fullness of the truth. And so I bought into a lot of the secular lies. I relied on my husband. I had this expectation that he was going to provide all my needs. And then I would get frustrated when he didn't. And really, one of the best things that happened, the best and the worst thing that happened for us is my husband, was reti- he retired from the military in 01. And then in 06, he got called back on active duty and was on active duty away from us for two years. I had five children, 18 down to one years old, and I was a single mom for two years. And I had to know who I was. And that was a very crushing, I say I'm Gandalf the White because the red bullet pulled me down, but I came back, but it is. And so this is going to be such a great course for these women. Ladies, I want to encourage you, if you are a single young woman who is discerning marriage, and maybe you're not having even discerned whether I should even look into the religious life, because you've got to date the Lord. You've got to learn how to date the Lord. And I've talked to a number of religious and those who've discerned out of the religious life and have heard, yeah, you know, it taught me how to date in a new way because of the spiritual aspect mm-hmm. and all of the aspects of a healthy relationship. We were talking about chastity and the catechism. I'm going to misquote it because I don't have my catechism in front of me, but it talks about the integration of the whole person. That's what the, practice, the virtue of chastity is. Every single one of us Whether we're married or single or a priest or a religious or a widow, we all are called to practice the virtue of chastity because we're all called to be whole. God wants to heal every single aspect of us, our mind, our bodies, and our souls. And that is why Jesus Christ came. He came to break the chains, to rescue us, as Father Ricardo talks about, and to bring us back into family which is what you're doing. You're going to build this Mm -hmm. beautiful community of these women. So it's going to start on September 13th.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. September 13th, we'll meet Wednesdays, Wednesday evenings for an hour. And yeah, I'm excited. I think that there is going to be a, a wide range of women that are participating. I talked with a woman who lives in Ireland. I talked to a young woman who is from New York, who's never dated before. And she's kind of daunted by stepping out into the dating life. There are some women that are in their 30s and their 40s who, for some turn of events, still find themselves single, and they're inquiring about this course too. And so it doesn't have to be just for your post-college girl. But there's still so much that I think, regardless of your age, you know where you are, where you find yourself. Like if you desire to grow in your ability to date well, then this course is for you.
0: So good. I'm so proud of you. I have seen you grow so much as well. And if you follow the blogs, I mean, you have mentioned this, I read your blog every week when you post and this has been a journey for you. This has been a journey for you of understanding dating. And I think that is a big hole. And I know for myself, like I said, I wasn't taught anything. I went to a women's college in Massachusetts. And all of my other freshman friends, they were pre-law, they were pre-medical, they had all these high aspirations. And I remember walking to my class thinking, Lord, what am I doing here? All I want to be is a mom and a wife. Like, that's all I want to be. Then I moved down to Florida State. And that's when I went to the Newman Center. And I had this beautiful priest. And they invited me to the Sarah Club. And I was talking to him. This was the only discernment Conversation I had with him. And I just said, I want to be a full time missionary because that was the verbiage that the Protestants would say. Right. But I didn't know what that looked like in the Catholic Church, except unless I was going to be a nun. And I said to him, I want to be a full time missionary, but I don't want to be a nun because I literally have a desire to give birth. I want to feel birthing experience. And he's like, very well, then you need to be a wife but he didn't give me any tools of how to look for a husband. He didn't give me any way of how to prepare my own self to spiritually, emotionally. I mean, physically, I was in ROTC, so I mean, I was kind of physically fit anyway. But yeah, I see the Catholic conversation in the past 30 years. Well, my husband and I be celebrating 37 years in October. So it's been almost 40 years since I was a college student trying to discern am I supposed to be getting married? How do I date? Things like that. And as moms, one of the things that I have found also just real quickly is I have a lot of peers in my generation because we weren't taught, like we can't give what we don't have, right? That's one of the things for you as a coach It's one of the reasons why this has become your specialty, because you had this yearning, you had this ache, you had all of these contraceptive attitudes and now you know, and you've worked it out yourself. And now you get to serve other people. Mm-hmm. A lot of my generation, how do we tell our young girls how to date? Because praise God, the Lord has taught me. And I know one of my daughters, Sarah Swafford's book, Emotional, yeah, emotional was, Virtue, one day, and one of her friends had recommended that. And I said, oh, should I read it? And she looked at me, she goes mom, I actually think you could have written this book. And I was like, oh, really? Wow, best compliment, okay, I guess I am doing this. But part of it as a parent, like I don't know how to give this because I wasn't living a virtuous life as a college student. So I don't know how to do this. For me, that was one of the reasons why I loved natural family planning is that I thought to myself when I was first introduced to it, well, I can teach my children about abstinence because we're gonna have to abstain as well. Like we have to do the thing. For some reason, the Lord is just always given that's he's given me that part. Like, I want to, I want to practice what I preach, like walk the walk. And I look yeah. for people who are walking, and that's what you're doing. I'm so, yes. I'm so excited. So, do you have anything else to share with our listeners about Metanoia Catholic, about your course?
1: Yeah, I think that is a really interesting point. And something that I found myself saying more and more is maybe your listeners, maybe you are married with five kids, or you're not dating right now, or you're a man, and this course is not for you. But like, think of your daughters, think of your sisters, think of your granddaughters, think of your nieces, think of your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. workers, think of those women in your life, those, those beautiful women that you love, and that you want the best for them. And I just invite you to share this link with them. I would love to set up a discovery call with them, right? There's not like this big commitment. Like I would just love to meet them. And then I can answer their questions. I hopefully can like kind of speak some hope into their story, but help them realize they're not alone in this. I think yeah, exactly what you were saying about walking the walk. I had a lot of things from my own roadblock to even kind of launching a course like this because I had this faulty perception that I needed to have it all figured out. And that no one would want to listen to me talk about dating because I'm single. And clearly I haven't figured out what works. And so I kind of had this expectation of myself that I really couldn't be an expert in this area because no ring, you know, no boyfriend, no, no nothing. And it actually was just within the last couple of weeks that I kind of had my own metanoia moment with that and realized like, that's not what the invitation is. It's not what the Lord is inviting me to do. And that's not what it is that I am extending to these women i'm here as your sister i'm here as your friend i'm here as your encourager as your cheerleader as your coach to hold your hand to cry with you right like there is a space like for the reverence of that emotion but to not just sit there and commiserate. misery i think a lot of times even in big catholic circles whenever a lot of single women get together and talk about their desire for dating and for marriage it just becomes this not really healthy or helpful environment like, what if we could? What if we could change that? What if you and a couple of your girlfriends could sign up for this course, and together, like in your local community, like there begins to be these shifts, and within the church, there begins to be these shifts, and like we can reclaim this like culture of dating yeah. in a healthy, non contraceptive, yeah, like total free, faithful, all those things that apply to, like that that exchange of that marital embrace between a husband and wife. Like we're still called to that regardless of our state or our vocation. And so those are guys like kind of my two, maybe last notes, it's like, please share this with those women in your life that you think this could be a benefit to them or gift it to them, encourage them to get on a call with me, whatever that might look like, and just to consider that I don't have all the answers and that's not what I'm, I guess I'm claiming to do. But I really do believe that like the Lord has put this on my heart for a reason. I believe there's a reason he stopped my workout. At the gym, and I'm sending these voice most to myself because I'm so afraid of like losing these ideas. And this whole course is born without me sitting in front of my computer at all. I'm not even really in the chapel. I'm literally racing home as fast as I can to get to work. And so I think that just gives me a lot of confidence that this course is going to be good and that it's going to be hopefully fun. Leaning on my own sanguine temperament here, and yeah, hopefully has the ability to go beyond what I can imagine right now.
0: Oh, so, so, so good. I'm so excited for you. I just pray that the Lord blesses you abundantly and all of the women that attend. I know that they're just going to continue to grow. And really, we're going to change the culture one woman at a time. This is so great. Thank you. Thank you so much. One of my traditions is to close with the blessing of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. I love this. So in name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. We will continue these conversation as we transition in the fall, and I'm excited to introduce you to a new topic next week. So till next week, God bless you. I sure hope that you enjoy that interview as much as I enjoyed interviewing Hannah. I'm telling you what, Hannah is just such a beautiful soul. So Catholic Divas, I have one of three choices for you to take some action after this podcast. The first is if you are a single woman and you would like to know how to stop contracepting your dating life, go to the show notes and get the link and click and join Hannah in her beautiful program. You will not be disappointed. And who knows, you're going to create some great friendships and discover a little bit more about yourself. If you are not single, I have a program for you. It's called Uniquely Beautifully You. Go to the show notes, click that link and join us on Monday evenings. We are having a wonderful time discovering all of our unique, beautiful gifts and talents and even our imperfections. And the third thing is, if you're wondering about that journal that Hannah and I kept talking about, well, I have a link in the show notes again, and it is a free PDF sample journal you can download it, print it out, write on it, or use it on your computer. And then if you enjoy journaling, go ahead and find Metanoia Catholic and purchase the physical journal. If you need some assistance with mind drama that you're discovering, you are more than welcome to reach out to me because this is exactly what I do. I am a trained Catholic mindset coach, and I would love to help you with all your mindset drama. All right, have a great day and we will see you next week.